Aaron Ramsdale is suffering and hurting, given the fact that he's lost his place as the Arsenal number one. We'll also dive into Mikel Arteta's pre-Chelsea press conference right here on another episode of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min football family. As ever, I am your host, Harry Simeon, on this episode. We're going to be talking Aaron Ramsdale after he said he was suffering and hurting at the fact that he seemingly lost his place as the Arsenal number one. Uh, we'll get into that interview in a little bit more detail and we'll reflect on Mikel Arteta's press conference ahead of the trip to Chelsea, which he gave around about an hour and a half ago. Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well on this uh, miserable, wet, windy and rainy Friday. Um, that's the bad news. But the good news is that club football returns. Arsenal are back in action tomorrow. And if you haven't checked out our preview show here on the Chronicles of Aguna just yet, make sure you do that. It's available on all major podcast platforms and, of course, on the YouTube channel where we talk about uh, the team. We talk about who should start, who may be fit to start. Mikel Arteta didn't give us any more information in the press conference today, which is basically what we expected. And the reason why I always say to you guys, I'm more than happy to do the preview on the Thursday because some would say, you know, you should wait till the press conference is done. Maybe there'll be a big story there. Maybe there'll be an update. There just never is with Mikel Arteta when it comes to team news. So no need to wait for that. We delivered the preview yesterday. Go over and check it out. Um, maybe some surprises um, from you guys' perspective in terms of the team that I ended up picking. Um, not that the team I picked really matters all that much, but there's some interesting discussions around the number of positions, I think, um, given that the fitness of a number of players is, of course, still up in the air. I uh, just want to say a few hellos to some of you joining us in the live chat. Uh, Sergeant Sponge, I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, it says, morning, Harry. How have you been? I'm good. Thanks, mate. How are you? Uh, big hello to Nav, who says, I feel sorry for Ramsdale, but it's whatever, it's whatever is best for the team. Sometimes I see Raya make blunders and think Ramsdale might have saved that. Interesting. He goes on to say that both goalkeepers have different attributes. We'll do this discussion in just a mo. Uh, Jon Tora Fjellstad makes a great point, I think. He says, I hope it is real competition and not just something that Arteta says it is. Ramsdale must get the chance if Raya fails to perform over time. Hope Ramsdale can get some game time as he is fantastic. Uh, we've got Glenn. We've got uh, Abostoliz in the chat. We've got Tom, Afsar. Uh, Thibaut joins us from Rhodes. Um, I hope you're enjoying uh, the uh, the motherland. Um, I hope it's um, treating you well. Uh, Tom says, can't wait to face and beat the Chelsea. We've got Afsar. He says, moon the likes. Zevit says, hey, Harry. Hello, guys. And Matt says, good morning from Chicago. Uh, big hello to Charlton as well. Don't forget, if you're new to the channel, uh, please do subscribe. It really, really does help. And if you're watching us on YouTube, leave a like on the video. If you're listening on audio, well, please do leave us a review. That helps as well. And get involved, of course, uh, with the discussion as best as you can. Right, let's um, let's start off then with this uh, article that came out yesterday with regards to Aaron Ramsdale. Obviously, the headline um, grabbed plenty of attention. They are quotes from Aaron Ramsdale, so nobody's fabricating anything here. This is what he has said. You know, he admits that attention on him um, being on the bench has been difficult. And he went on to say that his dad had had a few too many before tweeting back Jamie Carragher. Um, the, the lead sort of paragraph goes, Aaron Ramsdale says he's suffering and hurting at the loss 
of his own status as Arsenal's number one goalkeeper to David Raya as he opened up on the no-win nature of the scrutiny he has felt on the bench. And I think he's right to highlight this. It is very sort of, that is a very accurate description of the nature of the position that he finds himself in. It's a no-win situation. If he applauds David Raya making a top-class save, it's, oh, look, he's doing it for the cameras. If he doesn't do it, it's, well, look, Aaron Ramsdale's sitting on the bench with a face like a slapped ass. He, he can't win, can he? Um, I think Aaron Ramsdale is a great teammate. I think he's got the right attitude. I know a lot of people will look at this headline, will look at the term suffering and hurting and think, oh, God, this is not good. This is bad. This is the beginning of a problem for Arsenal. But I think that you want to read this. You want to hear this from your goalkeeper. You want to hear this from someone who, you know, has lost their place in the team. Why? Because primarily above everything else, it shows that they care. If he didn't care, I think that would be an even bigger problem. Of course, he's going to hurt. Of course, he's going to be suffering. And that just goes to kind of highlight the competition within the squad and within the group. And ideally, you want that all over the pitch. Now, there are some players that when they're not in the team, that when they're not getting it all their own way, can be a negative and bad influence, can bring the mood down, can create factions within the dressing room, divides within the dressing room, all the rest of it. I don't think Aaron Ramsdale is that. I really, really don't. And sort of referring back to the article, um, which uh, was written by David Heitner uh, in The Guardian, you know, the whole situation may have been sort of you know, added to by the fact that he was, of course, overlooked by Gareth Southgate for England's friendly win over Australia last Friday. The manager picked Crystal Palace's Sam Johnston. Um, you know, I, I just think for me, like Sam Johnston doesn't get a chance for England, right? He got a chance in a friendly game. If you don't give players that are untried and untested an opportunity in a friendly, when are you ever going to give it to them? So although the article references that, and seems to suggest that that is part of the problem that Aaron Ramsdale has at the moment and part of the, the reason that he's suffering and hurting. I don't really think that one is as big a deal. Um, just going back to those Jamie Carragher comments, he said the pundit, uh, sorry, he said of Aaron Ramsdale, when someone loses the Oscar and they start clapping and smiling for the other person, that's what Ramsdale's uh, reaction uh, reminded him of. And, and Ramsdale's father, Nick, tweeted that Carragher um, was a disgrace and urged uh, the former Liverpool man to show some class like his lad has. I thought um, Nick Ramsdale was well within his rights, actually, to say what he did. Now, I think if it were me, I wouldn't want my parent um, to kind of jump up and leap to my defence because I, I would feel like as a man and as a grown-up, I, I don't really need that and it's not healthy and it just creates even more noise around the situation. You know, that situation was a situation in terms of the fact that people were talking about it. But the fact that Nick Ramsdale then went after Jamie Carragher, and listen, I think he was right. And I think he was well within his rights to do so. But I think when he looks back on it, he'll probably feel like he actually brought a lot more attention to the subject than Aaron Ramsdale um, probably would have liked. Um you know, Ramsdale spoke about the attention and the scrutiny that he's come under uh, since being, is the term relegated to the bench? He says, look, um, there are times when you're doing the right thing, but it's the wrong thing. And if you don't do it, it's the wrong thing. So it's a double-edged sword. 
there's a lot, a lot of attention. It's a position where it's famously said, if you're not spoken about, it means you've done a good job. There's a lot of talk at the minute, whether it is me or David who plays, we need to be able to just focus and play. But at the same time, it's a strange big headline. It's one that we're working through as a club and it's one that the manager puts in front of us and we have to deal with it. That is what we are doing. Now, this comes off the back of David Raya just the other day saying that he's got a good relationship with Aaron Ramsdale, um, as you'd expect him to in the public eye. But I genuinely don't look at the two of them and think there's a massive dislike there. There's an element of competition and there's a desire on both parts to be the number one. But you need that, don't you? That is healthy. We keep coming back to that discussion. Mikel Arteta upgraded our goalkeeping department in the summer by bringing in David Raya in place of Matt Turner. There's no question in my mind that we've upgraded in that area. Now, the the, the sort of the effect of that and the after effect of that is that now Aaron Ramsdale, you know, has been pushed to one side. I found it a little bit difficult to get on board with this. The competition is equal thing because it doesn't feel like it is. I don't think Aaron Ramsdale had done anything wrong at the point that he was taken out of the side and replaced uh, by David Raya. But, you know, we're keeping clean sheets with David Raya. And although some of his footwork, if you want to put it that way, has been questionable um, at the start of his Arsenal career, it is abundantly clear to me that he is only doing what he is being instructed to do by Mikel Arteta. So, you know, I'm not going to get onto either of them. I think that they've both handled it really well. I think Raya's spoken well about it when given... Uh, the opportunity to do so. I think Aaron Ramsdale's spoken well about it when given the opportunity to do so. And although I'll refer back to the point that I made right at the top of this episode, although the headline is suffering, hurting, yeah, you expect that and you want that from your big players, don't you? Um, Ramsdale insisted that his relationship with Raya was good. We are with each other for three or four hours a day. There are four or five of us in that goalkeeping group. So if we didn't get on, it just wouldn't work. You know, we work professionally really well together. We push each other in training. And there's days where I come in and I'm down because of the situation and he picks me up. And for whatever reason, there might be a day where he's down. And even though I'm suffering and hurting for not playing, I have to stand up and be able to push him. Um, Ramsdale admitted uh, that his father's outburst at Carragher was not ideal, although he is able to uh, block out distractions that might come via social media, he said on this subject. This isn't the first time my name has been in the press and it's been more negative stuff, so I've drowned it out before. Um, it doesn't help that my dad does it, but he was on a golf trip in Spain with 19 other lads from the local pub. To be honest, I wasn't too mad at him. He didn't say anything out of turn. It just wasn't helpful for the situation. He knew that. He obviously just had a few too many on the golf course. He said, it's a decision I chose three years ago with my social media, turning things off. So a lot of things slip through the wayside for me. I know there's a lot of noise, but it does not affect me. And listen, that that's important. You know, that's important um, that Aaron Ramsdale is able to block out that noise because a lot of that noise is being created to disrupt. That's what it's for. You know, people are looking for clicks, are looking for headlines. They want to create a story around Arsenal. Why? Because things are going so well for the club and for Mikel Arteta's side. There must be something wrong. There must be something we can pick on. There must be something we can criticise. And I genuinely do believe that a lot of the noise that we hear from the outside is 
not just designed to get clicks and interaction, but is also designed to damage Arsenal Football Club. And that might sound crazy. You know, some of you might be thinking, oh, come on. You know, it doesn't matter what club it is. The same stuff will be said. There are people with agendas and sometimes agendas are not clear. Sometimes there is unconscious bias and unconscious bias can shape the way that you look at things. I'll give you a great example of this, right? On the 90 Min show, I get a lot of stick for saying, I'm not sure about Eric Ten Hag and that some of the decisions, in my opinion, that Eric Ten Hag has made are the wrong ones. And I think he's brought on a lot of the troubles that Manchester United are currently facing himself. But whenever I say that, you know, people come at me and they say, well, it's because you're an Arsenal fan. I don't deny for a second that there is a part of me as an Arsenal man that enjoys seeing Manchester United not perform. There is a part of me no matter how much I push it down to sort of the ground, you know, underneath the surface, there is a part of me as an Arsenal supporter that doesn't want to see Manchester United doing well. And so when I criticise Eric Ten Hag, um, and I think they're just and valuable criticisms, there's a part of me that does it probably because I don't want the narrative around Manchester United to be good because I'm an Arsenal fan. And you can never really get those biases out of your system completely. If you really, truly, deeply care about your club, then you will have that. You will have a certain feeling towards rivals or historical rivals. You will have those feelings and it's impossible to completely turn them off. And I don't think people should shy away from that. I don't think people should deny that that's the case. But equally, you know, if Jamie Carragher, former Liverpool man, is going to start sticking the boot in on Arsenal. Am I going to pay too much attention to it? If I were Aaron Ramsdale, would I pay too much attention to it? No. And I think in this instance where he's right is that his father bringing it up or doing what he did, although, as again, I'll, I'll say, I think he was well within his rights to do so. And I don't think he said anything out of line. It could have been a lot worse if he'd had a few on the golf course. What I will say is it just allowed the story to continue to be at the forefront of people's minds. And it just created another narrative from one that Arsenal as a football club and Aaron Ramsdale, I'm sure, will be trying to stamp out um, as quickly as possible. But look, just before I wrap up on this, of course, um, when you read a headline like that and you read quotes like that with regards to a player that as fans, we have a hell of a lot of affection for. I think that's undeniable when it comes to Aaron Ramsdale. I've talked about this before. Then it's not nice. You know, you don't want to see it. You don't want to read it. It isn't ideal. It does catch you off guard, I think, when you first read it. But then when you process it and you really break it down, would you want him to be saying anything else? And the answer to that question is no. You want to know that Aaron Ramsdale is desperate to get that number one position back. You want to know that Aaron Ramsdale isn't content with playing second fiddle to David Raya. You want to know those things as a fan, as a supporter, as a manager, as a football club. And um, yeah, I think um, I think um, it's, it is what it is. And, and we, we probably make too much of it as a fan base. But the reason we do is because it keeps coming up in the media. That's why we keep discussing it. And I almost feel dirty every time I discuss it. I almost think to myself, why am I giving this story air? Why am I giving it oxygen to breathe and grow and, uh, you know, and all of that stuff? But, you know, at the end of the day, it's impossible to dodge it completely. 
because every time you think we're kind of over it, you know, we get through four or five games and everybody sort of starts to accept that, okay, David Rye is the number one now. There's no real need to discuss this anymore and any further. And then something like this comes out, which obviously um, brings it up uh, to the surface again. Um, There's a few uh, questions uh, on this. There's a few comments on this. We'll uh, tackle those now before uh, we move on to talk about Mikel Arteta's press conference, which he gave today, of course, ahead of the trip to Chelsea tomorrow evening. Um, Kville says, I feel for Aaron a lot, but he needs to show less emotion and more resilience. It's emotion that's maybe accountable for some of the mistakes that perhaps lost him his spot. He just needs to keep grinding. I think that's really, really interesting. I think when you talk about Arsenal's evolution this season, one of the things that will be referred to is the fact that we look a little bit more mature and that we've been able to control that emotion a lot better than we did at times last season. Aaron Ramsdale is certainly one of those people, in my opinion, that needs needs that edge. He needs the crowd to be on his back. He needs, you know, to feel the pressure to be at his very, very best. And, you know, we've seen some of his best saves, some of his best performances have come in the biggest of matches. But then in games like Southampton at home, for example, last season, he switched off and made a really silly error and it cost us. So I agree with the whole, you know, if if you're going to find something that perhaps Mikel Arteta isn't totally satisfied with when it comes to Aaron Ramsdale, it is that emotional side. And it is maybe that he doesn't control that as well as others. David Raya seems to be able to block all of that out. And he's very methodical in what he does. And he's very cold in what he does. He comes across as a much colder character than Aaron Ramsdale as well. Now, obviously, I don't know him and I certainly don't know him off the pitch. I, I, I couldn't, you know, sit here and talk about his character. But in terms of his character during a game of football, you know, for example, when he's having the ball played back to him the way he was against Manchester City and he's being closed down. You know, yeah, he's aware of of what's going on around him and the dangers that surround him. But at no point does he panic. At no point does he let the stress get to him, i.e. he doesn't the next time. You know, for example, there was that opportunity that City had off the back of Julian Alvarez closing him down. You didn't see him five minutes later be caught up by that emotion and the nervousness and the feeling that came with that and going, right, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to abandon it. It just keeps going. It keeps going. It keeps going. And I think the colder side of David Raya in terms of just being able to carry out instructions is probably something that Mikel Arteta wants. Um, You know, when Arteta said a little while ago that, you know, there were times in games where he thought about substituting his goalkeeper midway through or 75 minutes in or whatever, people sort of went, well, he can't be talking about Aaron Ramsdale because he signed him and he adores him and he loves him. Um, and, And maybe he's talking about Bern Leno. Maybe he's talking about you know, previous at the club. Perhaps that is still the case. But, you know, I'm sure there would have been moments the more I think about this and when I talk about this point of being cold and being more methodical and being, you know, a little bit more cold-blooded in certain moments. I think there would have been times last season where he looked at Ramsdale and went, mate, stop getting caught up in what's going on around you and just do your job. Um, So maybe that is it. I think it's a great point, Cavill, about the emotion. I think that's a big part of this. Uh, Malesi says, where is the rotation, Harry? We need fairness and let's not push Ramsdale away and regret it, as was the case with Martinez. I don't regret the Martinez thing at all. I really don't. 
I, I, I really don't. I think when you look at the way that Arsenal want to play football, Emi Martinez is just not the right fit for that. Never has been, never will be. He's not particularly comfortable with the ball at his feet. Great old school goalkeeper, comes out, dominates crosses, catches the ball, very physical, powerful, all of that stuff. He's a fantastic goalkeeper in his own right. World Cup winner with Argentina. Deserves all the plaudits in the world. But stylistically, he is not the right fit for Arsenal. And if stylistically he was different, he would not be at Aston Villa, with all due respect to Aston Villa. Bigger uh, clubs um, that play more attractive styles of football prior to, obviously, Unai Emery coming in would have certainly taken a look at Emi Martinez, and they didn't. And and that's for, for the reasons, I think, that I've, that I've explained. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Rob says, do you think tribalism is a positive in society slash human nature? This is a this is a really um, deep question. Just tossing it off as it being OK. You don't want um, United to do well. I get it, but it's not helpful. And it plays into the Ramsdale versus Raya thing. Um, I, I don't think I, I think there are scenarios where tribalism needs to be secondary and in some cases binned all together. So, for example, when you're talking about some of the disasters that we've seen happen in football in terms of people losing their lives and serious incidents, you know, when COVID um, hit and, and we were constantly um, talking about that and, and trying to figure out what the best course of action to move forward was, because of that, then I think in those instances, yeah, tribalism is not helpful and you need to be able to turn it off. But I think in sport, tribalism is part of what gives it its edge, which adds to the entertainment factor, which adds to people caring deeply about it, which adds to the demand of it, which then adds to the revenue coming in, which ultimately makes the sport go around. So I think tribalism is a positive in some ways, as long as you understand where the barrier is, where you need to turn it off. So people that chant about the Munich air disaster or the Hillsborough disaster, they're idiots. And they will try and package that up as, oh, well, it's just tribalism. No, that that's at the, that's the point where you need to turn tribalism off. So I think it's your own responsibility as an individual to be able to turn tribalism off in the right circumstances but to let a little bit in when you're discussing the sport purely, I think is actually fine. And I think it it helps and enhances um, the sport. So that's that's my view on it. But it's a really good and deep question. I like that. Um, Stilton Avenger says, Rambo's emotion was a big factor in the last few seasons in terms of the rebuilding of the relationship between the fans and the club. It's why it's hard uh, to move on for both him and us. But is this cold Arsenal better? I think we need to find a balance. I think you're right. The emotion was key in rebuilding that connection. And I have said it before and I'll say it again. I don't think I've ever felt as invested in an Arsenal team as I do this one. Not even the Invincibles, not even the, the 97, 98 side, not even the 2001, 2002 double winners. Because this is a side that I've watched being built from the ground up. This is a side that I can relate to that's got young players, players I like, with a manager that I really believe in. Not that I didn't believe in Arsene Wenger, of course I did. But for me, I guess, you know, I've got older and I I value different things now when it comes to supporting my football club. I'm incredibly privileged over the last uh, two, two and a half seasons now to cover the club the way I do for work. 
And that has made me feel closer to the club as well. I know some people say, well, you know, the fact that you do that job now means you can't say this and you can't say that. I will say whatever I want if it's what I feel. Um, and being able to kind of understand the inner workings a little bit more has actually brought me closer to the club and increased how invested I feel. So I think the emotion was needed at that point to get things going again. But I think we saw last season that at times that emotion can be as much of a hindrance as it can be a help. It will help you to score 95th, 97th minute winners. And that's amazing. But also it will cost you in certain circumstances. So the the best balance is is something in the middle. And Arsenal, I think, have figured that out. I think there was a lot of soul searching done at the end of last season, particularly by Mikel Arteta and his coaching staff. I know for a fact that he was even thinking himself about whether he could come back this season and do it all again. Or if, you know, having experienced all of those highs and having got to the point where they were so close, you know, he wondered himself if he could come back from that and give the team the energy that he needed. But again, sometimes you need to take a step back. You need to take the emotion out of it. And only then will you make the correct decisions. But there will be lessons learned along the way. And I think one of the big lessons is control that emotion. Because if you can do that, then it makes you maybe not as entertaining, maybe not as unpredictable. But what it gives you, um, if you can control that, is a higher level of efficiency, I think. And that's what Arsenal are going for. Okay, um, let's uh, let's move on from the Ramsdale chat. We're going to discuss uh, Mikel Arteta's uh, press conference, the press conference that he gave earlier this morning ahead of Arsenal's trip to Chelsea, uh, of course, uh, this weekend. Big old game for the Gunners. It's always a big game at Chelsea. Arsenal, by the way, and I didn't mention this in the preview because I didn't know at the time I recorded it, but could be the first team in Premier League history to win four successive trips to Stamford Bridge if they can uh, leave tomorrow evening with all three points. That would be a record that Mikel Arteta will be after, isn't it? Right, we're going to take a really, really short pause and then we're going to do uh, the press conference chat. Don't go anywhere. Uh, make sure you leave a like on the video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if your brand spanking you as well we've got nowhere near enough likes on the board um guys help me with the subscribers we're less than 100 away we're 90 away now from getting to 30,000 here on youtube and i'd love to get there within the next couple of weeks that would be amazing so please please do uh, support if you're not doing so already right be back in just a second and then we're going to talk press conference Right, welcome back to the Chronicles of A Guna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network, football family, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, um, let's uh, let's react to some of the comments that Mikel Arteta made um, earlier today. As I said to you guys earlier, he was never going to give anything away with regards to the team news. And when he was asked uh, about the team news, which was the first question, not a lot, he said. <laughs> we haven't had a lot of players. Obviously, a lot of them have been away on international duty. He says we're going to do our first training session today and we'll know a lot more after the session. So, classic Mikel Arteta. On the Aaron Ramsdale thing, of course, given uh, the waves that these headlines made yesterday, he was asked the question um, about his goalkeeper. And he said, look, it's not easy for any player who's not playing as much as they'd like. The only way to do it um, the only way to, to move forward is to work harder 
and when you get the opportunity, do your best. He was full of praise uh, for um, for Chelsea and the job that Maurizio Pochettino's done. Obviously, someone he knows well, someone he played with uh, back in the day at Paris Saint-Germain and who he has a huge admiration for. Um, so, yeah, look, I think there's a mutual respect there. I think there'll be an understanding of each other's core principles and values because of the fact that they played together and and, and I think Arteta has seeked Pochettino's advice on on many occasions in his past judging by what he had to say today look both will be looking to spring those tactical surprises but there'll be an understanding of each other's core values and that gives you something to go by I think as a manager Arteta's clearly watched a lot of Chelsea this season because he says that um you know what what they have on the board in terms of points doesn't necessarily uh, marry up to what they've performed like. And I agree with that. That was something I was saying quite a bit in the first few weeks of the season, uh, having watched them up close. I, I watched them on a few times, uh, on a few occasions, I beg your pardon, post that and didn't think that they were as good. And I thought the level dropped a little bit, but just in the last few weeks, signs again that they're starting to click. Listen, Chelsea have been too successful over the years. They've spent too much money and have too many talented players, plus a good manager in Maurizio Pochettino, to be completely written off. So when people look at the table and they go, Arsenal are second and they're 11th, we should absolutely destroy them, tear them a new one. I don't dis- I-, I don't agree with that. And we explain that in a lot more detail on the preview show, which you can go back and check out, by the way. Uh, that'll be valued, valued, not valued, valid, of course, right up until kickoff. Um, so yeah, check it out. Okay. Um, what else did Mikel Arteta have to say of, of real interest? Um, he was asked about Saliba's injury because of course Saliba pulled out of international duty. He didn't confirm what the problem was, despite the person asking the question, sort of referring to it as a toe injury, which is what we'd kind of been hearing. But Arteta again, didn't want to go into that in too much detail. He said, look, he's been carrying it for a few weeks now and we had to use this time uh, for him to settle down. Uh, and we believed it was the best moment to do that. Uh, on Saka's minutes, he said, it's our responsibility to monitor them. It's also about the relationship to the data and the way they train. Sometimes we want to play them, but when we have them three hours on the field in training, it doesn't help. If you want to be a top, top player, uh, you have to play every three days. And that means maybe playing 65 to 70 games. Um there was a lot of questions about uh, about Saka um, uh, and, you know, Mikel Arteta gave all the examples, well, the answers, I beg your pardon, that you'd expect him to give uh, with regards to the, the sort of subject, the wider subject topic of managing Bukayo Saka in a more effective way. And listen, I, I think that Bukayo Saka has been a bit unlucky at the start of this season. I think a lot of the problems he's had have been kicks and knocks, which can happen at any time to any player. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're being overworked. Um, you know, when you start talking about muscular injuries. Again, those can happen at any time. But if you start to see a pattern developing, then it's time to look at that again. When you look at Saka's availability over the last few seasons, I think it's actually a bit disrespectful to say that Arsenal have managed him incorrectly because they've managed him for this long without there being any problems. At the start of this season, there have been a few issues, of course. Um, But again, you know, you've got to be able to figure out and and determine what is down to him being overworked and what is down to rotten luck and just the circumstances that you find yourself in. He was asked, of course, about Jack Wilshere's uh, links to the Colorado Rapids. 
uh, we heard about a week or so ago, maybe slightly longer, that Jack Wilshire had been uh, in discussions with them, obviously a KSE-owned club too, and that the manager's job was up for grabs and you know maybe uh, he'd be interested in taking it. They certainly seem impressed by him and willing to take him on. I said myself that I don't think this is the right job for Jack Wilshire. I wouldn't take it if I was him. I think I'd want to probably earn my stripes a little bit longer at Arsenal, um, learn from some of the very, very best in the business and just wait for the right opportunity to come along. I don't think that he needs to be in any major rush, Jack Wilshire. Um, you know, he, he seems to be doing a great job at Arsenal. He gets lots of plaudits. Um, he's well liked from what we hear and from what we understand. And clearly feels he's got unfinished business in the game, having had to stop playing at the highest level so early due to injury problems and his body sort of letting him down a bit, breaking down, etc. however you want to put it. Um, Arteta didn't deny that this interview took place. The way the question was packaged up was, you know, we heard last week that Jack Wilshire and Arteta made zero effort to, to squash those rumours, uh, which kind of confirmed that it kind of confirms that they're true. And he said, look, you know, it's only right that when you're doing well, um, you know, people are going to talk about you and people are going to um, be interested in you. And he, he wishes him all the best and says that he's sure he'll make uh, the right decision moving forward with regards to that. So, um, yeah, that's um, that's kind of it, really, from Mikel Arteta's press conference in terms of, um, you know, standout points, key key discussion points, all the rest of it. Um, if you've got any questions, chuck them in. I'll, I'll touch on a couple uh, before I uh, disappear off. Um, and uh, remember, again, the preview is out. Check it out. Uh, looking ahead at the game, of course, coming up at Stamford Bridge tomorrow. Um, let's head over to the chat. Uh, AU Guna says, loving the new visuals, Harry. Thank you, mate. Um, thank you. So it's a very different style. I, I, I spent a lot of time, as I said, um, trying to figure it all out, basically trying to figure out Photoshop. And I've still got loads to do. Like, I want to make this background that you're seeing on the video a little bit more, you know, lively. I want to um, I want to make a new video intro, which I haven't done yet, which is why I'm just running the sting at the beginning of the show, because I feel like I'd put all the work in to change the logo and do all of that stuff. If I then run the video with the old logo, it's a bit like, yeah, it's a bit naff in it. So, um, yeah, decided I didn't want to do that. But yeah, still more work to be done um, when I have the time um, traveling a bit next week. So hopefully I'll have the time um, on my travels to kind of sit there with Photoshop and and work out a few more bits and pieces. Um, we are going to be bringing you coverage, by the way, of Arsenal's trip to Sevilla uh, next week from Seville. I'm heading out there on Monday evening. Um, so we'll be there on the match day, um, all the build-up, and of course we'll bring you some post-match stuff as well on the Wednesday morning from the beautiful city of Seville. So um, stay tuned for that. It should be... Um, it should be good. Hopefully we get the right result. I think we need it really, don't we, after the defeat out in Lons. Um, Rob, surprised by that Chelsea stat. There you go. Um, read that from Opta this morning. Orbino, I think it was, that posted it. I'm not going to take the credit for it because I didn't look it up. I just saw it on, on online. Uh, big hello to Kenny, who joins us uh, from the United States. It's 5.03 a.m. over there. That is dedication, mate. I hope you're well. Um, AU Guna goes on to say, being a journalist must be tough in the Mikel Arteta era. He doesn't give you very much. And I understand that there is a method behind the madness. And I understand that there is good reason for that. 
but it, it can be tough at times, particularly when you ask what you think is a really good and 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 well structured question designed to extract something interesting, and you get a two word answer, and you have the door shut on you, which can happen with Mikel Arteta. Um, it can be a bit demoralizing, and I think if you're a new journalist, a young journalist, or someone who's not used to being around that environment, like myself, it can it can kill your confidence a little bit like it can knock you a bit and you have to be strong enough to just kind of be like well that's just you um not wanting to answer i asked a couple of tactical questions last season which i didn't get very good answers to in terms of in-depth answers and then i came away from them and i thought yeah you you kind of shot me down a little bit and that did hit my confidence a little bit at the time but actually the reason you did that is because I came up with something that you do not want to show the opponent, that you do not want opposition managers and coaches and players and staff to be watching or listening to and saying, ah, so that's why they do that or that's how they do that. So in a weird way, you, you should take it as a compliment sometimes, um, depending on what the question is. But yeah, it is. it can be difficult. Uh, at times it really can um hey you gunas says uh, otherwise you get an answer about the route he takes in his car or the courting of his wife <laughs> yeah great point great point um just having a look through the chat box right now is there anything pressing that i've missed um just rolling back through uh apostolis earlier said apostoli said uh are saka and martinelli fit we don't know. Um, they're going to be in trade. Uh, my guess is that they'll both be fit, um, especially Gabriel Martinelli. Um, Saka, I think there are still some question marks about, but we know that Saka loves to play. We know that he'll be gutted that he missed the victory over Manchester City. Um, and look, even if he starts the game and plays 60 minutes, you know, and, and you take him off and, and make changes because we do have the depth to do that now, then, um, you know, fine. It's it is what it is. Um, Rob says, do you think the tribalism fans or the tribal fans plays into the Ramsdale versus Raya uh, Havertz discussions that are tetter out narratives? Yeah, I, I think tribalism bubbles under the surface in all football fans. And sometimes you can think that you're being really, really fair, but your opinion is based on those biases that you have deep down inside you. I'm the, I'll be the first to admit that. Um, but again, as I said to you earlier on, I think there are certain circumstances and situations that demand that you drop the tribal chat and you just, you know, look at a situation for what it actually is and there's right and there's wrong and, and, and you should be able to, as a human being, differentiate between when you're allowed to be tribal or, or when that is fine and when it's not. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there that struggle with that. Uh, Izualu says it's 5.11 in Jamaica. Good morning to you. Um, what are the club's plans to reinforce in January? And do we have the funds or do we have to sell to spend? I don't know um, of the club's plans. Um, I'd be lying if I said I knew what they were planning to do. Um, do we have funds? I believe that Arsenal will need to sell if they're going to do significant business in terms of incomings. I really do. When you look at what they've outlaid over the last few seasons now and, and you compare that to what they've brought in, the, the, the mass doesn't add up, right? And for all the praise that KSE have had over the last couple of years in terms of the way they've um, 
you know, backed him and and all the rest of it, backed Arteta, that is, you know, it is a club that is never going to be run like a sugar daddy's club. Like, we have to accept that. So I think they recognised that there needed to be significant investment to get us back on track. But there will come a time where that investment slows down, I think, because we've done a lot of business that with, is with a view for the long term. We've protected a lot of our assets by giving them long term contracts, which means that if we do need to sell, we can sell now. Um, we couldn't do that in the past because we had players that were over the hill on big contracts that they were more than happy to sit on them. And worse than that, no one was willing to pay any money for those particular players and those individuals. So I think we do need to sell to spend big. I don't think that January will be seen as a window where we're going to go crazy. Um, I think it's one of those windows where if opportunities present themselves, Arsenal will be ready to act just like they did with Jorginho, just like they did with Trossard. But I don't think it's going to be Arsenal going out and bringing in a 60, 75 million pound player in without doing any business the other way. Okay. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, John, uh, Jan, uh, Tora Fjordstad, I beg your pardon, says, do you think that Emil Smith-Rowe will get a chance? It's tough, isn't it? I mean, we've heard all those rumours in recent weeks about Newcastle and their interest and all the rest of it. You know, if you're Emil Smith-Rowe and you know you're giving 100% in training and, you know, you're looking at the team and you're looking at this, the setup and, you know, we can all... I think agree that the most likely position Emil Smith Rowe is going to play in for Arsenal going forward is as one of those two eights because of the competition on the left wing, a position that in the past he was very successful in, I would argue. I think when you look at the fact that Havertz is ahead of him, that Vieira is ahead of him, and that as he continues to build up his fitness, that still seems to be the case. I think you have to start to ask questions. I love the player. I think he's incredibly talented. I want him to stick around. But he could be one of those players that Arsenal look to sell to raise funds, as we were just discussing, at some point. Probably not in January, but certainly come the summer if the situation doesn't change for him. I think Reese Nelson's another one of those players. That's why he was given the contract. I think Eddie Nketiah is another one of those players. And I keep banging this drum, but when people go, why are we giving them contracts? Well, it's for that reason. It's to protect their value to the point where we can then command fees for them and use that money to reinforce um, the rest of the squad. Um, Johan, just uh, to finish off on the, the Raya Ramsdale uh, situation, which we, we discussed right at the beginning of the pod in detail. So do go back and check that out if you're just joining the stream a little bit later on. But he says, do you think the main difference between Raya and Ramsdale is the fact that Raya seems a calmer goalkeeper, especially when coming for crosses? Apart from that, I don't see much difference between the two. I, I spoke about it earlier. I think it's, it's the emotional bit. I think that, you know, he's seen... Raya and he's seen Ramsdale and he's weighed it up and he thinks one is far more emotional, which gave us what we needed at that particular time. But in order to take the next step, I think that Mikel Arteta feels we need someone who's a bit colder, a bit calmer. And David Raya, based on the early evidence, certainly uh, seems to be that. Um, <laughs> um, Kenny says, do you think Arteta is messing up our songs? Yeah, well, the, the super Mikel Arteta song goes Kieran at the back. Kieran's in, he's not here. Gabby in attack. Martinelli's still here. Um, Arsenal on their way to Champions League. On their way to Champions League, we're in the Champions League. Now we want to bloody win the thing. Um, and the Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe song. It's a bit of a shame to me that those two don't have their own songs because they're both such great players and, and such fan favourites. But hey, 
um, it is what it is. You know, a lot of thought goes into those songs, obviously. And so who am I to say that you need to rip them up and start again? Anyway, thank you uh, so, so much for joining me. As always, I really, really do appreciate it. Um, and I will see you guys uh, very soon with another episode. The next episode will probably be the post-Chelsea episode, unless there is anything major breaking that we feel uh, the need to cover. But um, if I don't see you until then, enjoy the game. Fingers crossed. And, uh, and uh, yeah, have a great weekend around the Arsenal game, of course. Uh, until next time, take care of yourselves. Like, subscribe, uh, leave a review if you're listening on audio, all the rest of it, and I'll catch you all next time. Until then, goodbye. Mm-hmm.